If you have a Bible today, reach for it and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where I want you to turn. Got a message on my heart I can't wait to share. I always love the Sunday before VUCON. Something stirring in the atmosphere. And uh, all of us are just trying to play our part that are in leadership around here, just saying, whatever it takes to get you to the Watsko. Something about getting into the room, being a part of it. Um, there's still room for you to come. Thousands of people are registered. And uh, maybe you're going, I can't go to all of it. I'm telling you, if you can go to some part of it, it's worth it. Maybe you're going, I, I can't pay the amount. It's too much money. I'm telling you what, we'll do whatever it takes. If you're not able to go because of finances, let us know. This is a generous church. How many of y'all believe that Voo Church can figure out a way to get people in the room? Um, the only reason why there even is a registration fee, two reasons, is because it costs money to rent the facility, but also because how we all know that oftentimes when we pay for something, we value it more. And what God's about to do in your life, what he's about to do in my life, I am excited about it. And uh, something about setting apart three days just to encounter God. Who knows how your life is gonna change this week, but you gotta take that step of being there. I was at the gym on Saturday working out and I saw someone from our church. They're like, wow, I thought VUCON was this weekend. I was like, no. It's the upcoming weekend. I was like, there's still time for you to go. They go, well, we wanna go, but our kids, you know, we got kids. And I say, you know, we have an entire kids con taking place. All of South Miami gets turned into three-day revival for all of your children. We're doing whatever we can to make it easy for you. And I met a parent the other day. I was like, I just need a break for my kids. I was like, put them at kids con. Maybe you go take a vacation, put them in, have them have an encounter with God. You go to the beach, no, no, come to Vukong, but it, it's available to you. And all of this effort and all this work, we just know that as we're at this last kind of just last 10 yards, we're in the red zone. Whatever it takes to get you there, we just know it's gonna be, it's gonna be so impactful. It's gonna be life transforming. And I just love what God's doing in our house. Uh, we've been taking the last four weeks teaching on the Holy Spirit. And I think all of this teaching is gonna come very handy over the, this weekend. And so today out of 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, I want to read a, a portion of this story, and then I want, to, I want to teach on this last icon. This is what the scripture says, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Watch this. And from that day on, and from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. I wanna preach today uh, from the subject, don't take my oil. Don't take my oil. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, don't take my oil. Don't take my oil. Don't take my oil. That was the phrase the Lord dropped into my heart this week as I was studying for you. Don't take my oil. We have been taking the last four weeks teaching and talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is mysterious. The Holy Spirit is dynamic. The Holy Spirit is complex. And as you study the Bible, there's lots of words associated with the Holy Spirit, but there's also icons or symbols that are attributed to the Holy Spirit, and they help us to discover the many layers of who he is. So we've been studying some of those icons. We've talked about the dove, the wind. Last week, I preached about the fire. And today, the icon that we're going to look at is the icon of oil. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, but at times, he is the most misunderstood person at church. Many times, we just don't understand him, so we don't even acknowledge him. But you and I, we need to learn that we need the Holy Spirit. He's the advocate. He's the counselor. He's the friend. He's the ally. He's the comforter. One of the most important things you can do on your faith journey is learn to simply acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Just stop when the Holy Spirit's working in your life and just say, thank you, Holy Spirit. I know that's you, Holy Spirit. Next time your conscience gets the best of you, understand that wasn't your conscience. That was the person of the Holy Spirit. Next time you find some courage in a moment of fear, do not give credit to some inspirational book that you read. Instead, wait a minute, there's a supernatural power coming upon me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Next time you get a moment of clarity, don't go, that was the coffee I drank this morning. Mature in the Lord and recognize, no, that's the power of the Holy Spirit guiding me and leading me. Someone say, I need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not about spiritual superiority. The Holy Spirit is about spiritual survival. I need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. 
The Holy Spirit makes me better than me. He makes me better than me. And watch this. The more I acknowledge the Holy Spirit, the more I'll begin to experience the Holy Spirit. If I can just get that into your heart today, that many of you, you have no idea that the reason why you're still standing is simply due to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And rather than go through life and giving credit to all of the wrong things, just learn how to acknowledge him. And the more you acknowledge him, the more you'll begin to experience him. Today, I wanted us to look at this Old Testament story. First Samuel chapter 16 is our study. It's an Old Testament story, but there's, there's a lot of power as we look at the symbol of oil in this story. This is the story of King David, the shepherd boy, in his coronation ceremony. And we see the participation of the Holy Spirit uh, in turning the shepherd into a king. But the story begins with the rejection of King Saul. I don't have nearly enough time to tell you about King Saul, but King Saul was the first king of Israel. And King Saul, on paper, looked like he was gonna be an amazing king. The scripture says that he stood a head taller than everybody. He was likable. People liked him. He was gifted. He was handsome. He was skilled. The problem with King Saul is, is that he feared people more than he feared God. And friends, when you live for the praise of people, you will always die by the criticism of people. You, you cannot lead. You certainly can't be a godly leader if you're afraid of the people you are leading. And when you study King Saul, he was always, always bending for popularity. And with it, God's spirit left Saul and he rejected him. And what we find is we find Samuel, the prophet of God in Israel, who had raised Saul up. And as 1 Samuel 16 begins, he is mourning and he's grieving over the rejection of Saul. But I, I see a word from the Lord right there in that opening text. God shows up to Samuel and he says to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn over what I rejected? Can I speak prophetically to some people in this room? Some of you are mourning over something that God has rejected. And today is the day that you stop grieving and recognize God has a better and a bigger plan. Stop mourning over what God has rejected. Some of you crying over a job going, they rejected me. They didn't reject you, God rejected it. Some of you upset you didn't get into the school that you wanted to get into. Oh, friend, that school didn't reject you. You had no idea God was rejecting it because he's got something better in store for you. Some of you crying over a relationship that you lost two years ago going, why did that person reject me? Oh, I got good news for you. Stop mourning over the thing that God has passed over. It didn't reject you. God rejected it. And he comes to Samuel and says, how long are you going to mourn over this thing I rejected? I've got another plan. I've got someone else in store. He says, grab your horn of oil and be on your way. Grab your oil, Samuel. I have chosen another. I want to encourage some people in this room that God is doing something on the earth. And if you will make yourself open to him and available to him, he has a plan and he has a purpose. 
I know there's some scary things happening in the world. I know at times it feels like the church is imploding. I know there's messes all around, but trust in God. He has a plan. He has a purpose. Keep on following him. He says, grab your horn of oil. I have chosen another. I have rejected Saul, but I have chosen another. I want to remind some people in this room, God doesn't need me. If I am unwilling to be used by God, he will find another. God does not need Vu Church. If you ever go to a church and like, God needs us, that's not biblical. God doesn't need us. He wants us. And if we do not make ourselves available, he will find another. Saul was not God's gift to the earth. And when Saul stopped obeying God, God said, I'll find another. I am not God's gift. You're not God's gift. This is gonna be mean, but look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're not God's gift. Watch this, I'm gonna teach some people today. I'm not God's gift, guess what I am? I'm a tool. I'm not a gift, I'm a tool. I'm a tool in the hands of God. However you want to use me, God, that's how I wanna be used. Flow through me, work through me, I will obey you. Come on, where are all the tools at in the house today? Any tools in the house? I'm a tool. You're a tool. You want to know what VUCON is? VUCON is not God's gift to the earth. We're just a tool. We're just saying, God, if you could use anyone, use me. Saul looked good on paper, but when he started disobeying, God said, I'll go find a little shepherd boy out in the middle of nowhere who has a heart after me, who says, I just want to be a tool. I'm not the gift. I am the tool. God, use me. I want to be used by God. I want our church to be used by God. But we have to walk with a level of humility to understand he doesn't need us. We get to be used by him. And so what does he say? He looks at Samuel and says, yo, grab your horn of oil. And here we begin to study this idea of oil because oil has um, lots of practical, like just realistic uses, but then it's also got a lot of Uh, symbolism throughout the Bible. Practically, let's talk about it from that way for a moment. Oil was always a sign of prosperity or abundance. The way you get oil is you get it from an olive tree. When the olive is crushed, it produces oil. And so in times of harvest or abundance, oil was was overflowing. But when there was no oil, it it was a sign of, of poverty or a sign of famine or a sign of lack. Remember the story of the widow of Zarephath and all she has left is a little bit of oil. In many ways, the oil was her form of currency. It's how she was paying for things. And so whenever you see oil on a practical sense, it's always a sign of blessing. It's always a sign of abundance. It's always a sign of prosperity. But oil also practically in this time period was used as like a healing agent. Um, They believed it had great health benefits. Any kind of skin condition, they would put 
oil on it. It was used cosmetically to make you look better, to put it on your face, to look vibrant. Remember, Jesus teaches and he says, when you fast, put some oil on your face so nobody knows you're fasting. Remember Snoop Dogg? I'll put some oil of Olay because my skin gets pale. Like that, that's, that's biblical, okay? Some of y'all remember the 90s. Come on now. Yeah, like I, I'm looking vibrant. I'm putting oil on. It, it's, it's this idea that I'm going to, I'm going to look different. Practically speaking, oil is 99% fuel. And so they could burn the oil. So they would put it in the lamps so they could illuminate. What does the Bible say in Psalm 119, 105? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's amazing the older I get, every year I get older, the more and more I believe the Bible. You're like, wait a minute, aren't you a pastor? Yeah, I do believe the Bible. I always have believed the Bible. But the older I get, the more I'm like, this thing, this is the only thing that's true. And if you are looking for a roadmap in life, if you're looking to make good decisions, just obey the Bible. It's a light unto your path. What's amazing is, is that the Bible is the word of God. The Holy Spirit, the Ruach, the Numa, is the breath of God. How many of y'all know you do not get the word without the breath? So if you're going, I want to get a word from the Holy Spirit, the fastest way to get a word from the Holy Spirit is open up your Bible because the Spirit of God is never, ever going to go against the Word of God because the Spirit of God is the one who wrote the Word of God. And so in order for my lamp to burn bright, I need oil. Someone say, I need oil. It's not just practically speaking about oil. It's also quite symbolic because the oil in the Bible always represents the person of the Holy Spirit. In, in Bible times, and even now today, we have what we call an anointing service or a moment of anointing where oil is taken and it's used as a symbol of the Holy Spirit to commission someone and send someone out. Tonight in our 6 p.m. services here at Somi and at City, we're gonna anoint people with oil as a commissioning service as we step into Vukon week. People that are serving, people that are coming, we're gonna anoint people tonight with oil because I believe that there's a mission. I believe that God is using us. He has a big plan and we wanna be sent out with power. What does Jesus say in Luke chapter four? He, he quotes the prophet Isaiah and he says in chapter four, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's saying, I am being sent out. I'm being anointed with oil. I'm being commissioned to go out into the world. This is powerful because the Holy Spirit, like oil, gets on you and stays with you. Oil soaks into things and it permeates things. You, you ever gotten an oil stain on your shirt? If you have an oil stain on your shirt, I don't care how fresh your outfit is, everybody is drawn to that stain. Yo, you know you got a stain on your shirt. Because oil marks you, oil stays with you, Oil stains you. Have you been stained by the Spirit of God? When you've been with the Spirit of God, people ought to be able to tell that you've been with them without ever even opening up your mouth. We don't have to walk in and say, I got a stain on my shirt. Everyone sees it. And so it is with God's Spirit. 
Something's different about you. How come you're so happy all the time? Uh, I'm not. Quite frankly, I'm quite miserable. But the Holy Spirit, how on earth are you able to stay so patient on I-95? By myself, I can't. But I met this guy named the Holy Spirit, and now all of a sudden, I'm sitting in traffic praising God. How can you treat that person who's been so nasty to you? They've been so mean to you. They've gossiped about you. They've been wrong to you. How have you been able to show them such kindness? You're such a good guy. I'm not a good guy. I'm just a tool, and the Holy Spirit is flowing through me. He's changed me, and you can see his mark. The Holy Spirit anoints us and commissions us to do the work. But not just that, in the Bible, it gives us clear orders. James, the brother of Jesus, this is what he says, chapter five. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church. That's not the old people of the church. That's the leaders of the church, the pastors of the church. And let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, watch this, and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Here's the good news, verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. You know, there's a lot of teaching in the church today from some people that believe that the power of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit were confined to that time frame, that the Spirit of God's not operating in that same manner. And don't get me wrong, I think people abuse the gifts of the Spirit. But yo, if I ever get sick, If you ever hear about your pastor up in the hospital on his deathbed, I want you to find the most radical, Bible-believing, Holy Spirit-loving Christians you can find. You get the, I don't care what kind of oil it is. Get Crisco oil. I don't (laughs) care. You come and anoint the top of my head to the soles of my feet and pray the prayer of faith over me. I I thank God for doctors. I thank God for medicine. I got sick this past week and I was trying to tough it out and I was praying in the spirit. I had to eventually call the doctor and and get uh, an antibiotic. I'm not against any of that. All I'm saying is I still believe the Bible. And if someone is sick among us, let's grab some oil, let's anoint them, let's pray the prayer of faith, and let's believe God's word is still true today. Come on, anybody in the house still believe your God is healing bodies? Anyone still believe he's the resurrection? Make a little bit of noise today. I don't want someone praying for me who doesn't believe the Holy Spirit's still working. You want to pray for me? You believe the Holy Spirit's still working? Yeah, all right, you can pray for me. Let's talk now. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit has, has, has practical implications and then all of a sudden has these symbolic, the, the oil has these symbolic implications. And so here comes God. Samuel, grab your horn of oil. I have chosen a new tool. I've rejected Saul and I have found another. I want you to go to the house of Jesse. Samuel's going, but Lord, if I go and Saul hears about this, he's gonna have me put to death. I love God. God doesn't tell him to lie, but there's definitely a stretching of the truth. He says, go and make a sacrifice there where Jesse lives. And he grabs a heifer, a cow, and he makes his way to Bethlehem. And as he gets there, 
he asked Jesse, when the prophet shows up, everyone's a little bit afraid because they're wondering, are we gonna get judgment? Because when prophets show up, there's a lot of judgment. He says, no, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to sacrifice and I'm inviting you into the sacrifice. And he says, um, let's go and, and consecrate ourselves before the Lord. Let's set ourselves apart and let's make a holy sacrifice unto God. And so he says, Jesse, you come and you bring your sons with you. Jesse has eight sons that we know of. And in that time period, it was the oldest son that typically the blessing or the choosing of that time period would usually fall towards. And so Jesse brings his firstborn son in and you hear it right there, even Samuel, the prophet of God, he sees his firstborn son. And when he sees him, he's like, man, this must be the Lord's anointed. This is the one, this is the next king of Israel. But then God says something that is a timeless truth to you and I that we have to get the revelation of. He says, no, 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 no. I know he looks good on the outside, but that's not how God picks people. God is not drawn to the external appearance, but God is drawn to the heart. You see, humanity is drawn to charisma, but God, he chooses and is drawn to character. God is always looking for a ready and available and a humble heart. God's not just looking for an able body. He's looking for a humble heart. If you wanna be used by God, before you focus on all the stuff on the outside and a resume and skills and giftings and talents, just ask God to renovate your heart. Say, God, humble me and use me that I might be useful to you. And so he starts bringing in all of the sons and everyone walks in. He's like, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. He goes through all seven of his sons. I love seven is the number of completion. He says, do you have any more? And it's almost like even Jesse overlooks his boy, David. And Jesse's like, I got one more, but he's out there with the sheep. I don't know how he could be of any use to you. And God says, go ask for that one. And Samuel says, we will not sit down until he comes in. Why? Because it was a prophetic gesture to say, you don't sit when the king's walking into your quarters. I know you know him as a shepherd, but there's a king on the inside of that boy. And David walks in and all of his older brothers and his father are standing at attention. And when David walks in, God says, that is the one. And Samuel says, David, you come over here, has him kneel down, grabs the horn of oil, the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And right there, the text says, as he places the oil on his head, here's the verse that just has been so ministering to me. The, the scripture says, as he puts the oil on his head, the spirit of God came upon him that day and from that day forward, the spirit came upon him in power. From that day forward, David goes from being a shepherd to a king with one anointing. And from that day on, that's the key word right there. From that day on, the Holy Spirit doesn't wanna date you. The Holy Spirit doesn't wanna visit you. The Holy Spirit doesn't want a vacation with you. Vukan is not a vacation. It's not like, oh, here's my three days. I'm gonna encounter the Holy Spirit and then go live like hell for the rest of the year. No, the Holy Spirit says, I want to visit you, but when I visit you, I will not forsake you, but I will come upon you with power all the days of your life. Come on, somebody, give God some praise that he wants to walk with you. He wants to walk with you all the days of your life. What's fascinating is when you study the Old Testament, 
God was into anointing judges and prophets and kings. But when you jump into the New Testament, whew, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of his shed blood, because of the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. Anybody who desires to be anointed, anybody who desires to have the Holy Spirit dwell within them, Jesus Christ has made a way. This is what's so powerful because look at what Jesus says as we fast forward to the New Testament. Acts chapter one, verse eight, this is so beautiful. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Wait on the Holy Spirit because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when the oil gets on you, you're gonna receive power. The Greek word for power there is the word dynamo. It's where you get the word dynamite, meaning it's an explosive power. It's a dynamic power. It's what hit David's life. David had many, many victories in war, but it wasn't his skills that were winning the war. It was the Spirit of God. David had great discernment and had great vision and made wonderful decisions, but it wasn't because he was a great strategist. It was the Spirit of God. David had uncanny loyalty amongst his men and beautiful unity on his team and men who gave their lives to serve him. But it wasn't because he just had all this charisma and was just likable and knew how to win friends and make people like him. It was the spirit of God that brought men around him. What I'm trying to get at today is you don't need better skills. You need the spirit of God. Some of us in this room, we're trying to copy somebody else's anointing. You're trying to copy somebody else's oil. But the way that you get oil is the Holy Spirit being in you. And when the Holy Spirit is in you, you like an olive, how does the olive get the oil? It has to be crushed. But now the Holy Spirit in me, as I face life and difficulties and opposition and suffering and pain, what comes out of my life from the crushing is oil. And it's oil that ministers to other people. You don't need the spirit of King David on you. You definitely don't need the spirit of Rich Wilkerson Jr. on you. You need the spirit of God on you. You need your own anointing. You need your own touch. You got your own oil. It's available to you. And it's what separated David from all of the rest. David went out and fought Goliath and everyone tells the story, David versus Goliath. It's such an unfair fight. Oh, but friends, that's the wrong narrative because it wasn't David versus Goliath. It was God versus Goliath. And anytime God is on my side, if God be for me, come on somebody, who could ever be against me? my life. I got oil on my life. You got oil on your life. It's the oil of God that comes upon you in a mighty way. It's not magic. It's, 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 
It's the spirit of God and being aware and acknowledging him. Let's just try to get, I love preaching inspiration, but let's also just make sure we're getting good teaching. Why do we need the Holy Spirit to come upon us? What is the power for? What's the dynamite power for? Jesus tells us to make us witnesses of Jesus. Oh, the reason why the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power is to make us witnesses of Jesus. And according to the New Testament and according to what Jesus did on the cross today, if you want a special touch from the Holy Spirit, he's available to you. And you say, well, how does he practically show up and give me power? It would require another sermon, but I think it's important that you know 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 lays out spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to you. There are nine different gifts in Corinthians. There's different lists in Romans and Ephesians, but let's look at these nine for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse four. There are different kinds of gifts, watch this, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge, that's two, by the means of the Spirit. To another, faith, that's three, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing, that's four. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts, not for our glory, but for the glory of God. Not for our personal gain, but rather for the equipment of the body of Christ. God doesn't give you a spiritual gift so you can go to the office and do magic tricks in front of everybody. Spiritual gifts are not for entertainment. They're for evangelistic empowerment. It's that we might be witnesses of Jesus in Miami. That my skills are not enough. I need the Spirit of God to show up upon me. You know, the day of Pentecost, we've been talking about the last two weeks in a row, this wild thing took place, right? All of these Jews have come into Jerusalem for Pentecost, the Feast of the Trumpets. It's 50 days after Passover. So you gotta understand, Jews have come from all over the world. They all speak different types of tongues. And there in an upper room is 120 believers in Jesus waiting on the Holy Spirit to show up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, he shows up like a mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire, which is little tabernacles. But then the evidence is they start speaking in other tongues. They weren't speaking in tongues to be confusing. They were speaking in other tongues evangelistically because there was Jews from all over the world that didn't know how to speak the language. They were spreading the gospel in those people's tongues. One of these days I could cross-reference for you because it's a beautiful study. When you study the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis, where mankind unites in a fashion and a form for their glory. They try to build a tower that reaches to the heaven so they can be like God. And God looks down upon their unity and says, this is unbelievable what they're doing. But their reason and motivation is selfish and it's for their glory. So what does God do? He simply confuses their tongue. So there's division. But in the upper room, the Bible says that they were all in one accord, 
they were all united, not for their glory, but for the glory of God. And this time God scatters their tongues, not for division, he scatters their tongue to minister to the people in Jerusalem that they might hear the gospel. What I'm trying to say to our church is that we are a full Bible-believing church. We believe in all of the gifts of the Spirit, but we certainly understand that we do not ask God for His gifts to be impressive. We ask God for His gifts to be encouraging. I need the oil of God so that I can fulfill the mission of God. God, I need your oil. And anytime you take the person of the Holy Spirit and you use it for your glory instead of the glory of God and for people, he's a person. He has emotions. Look at what Paul writes to the church in Ephesians. I just want you to see this. It's just good stuff that we understand. Verse 29, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we play the superiority card and we look down upon others because they're not as far along as we are, we grieve the Holy Spirit when we try to take God's glory and bring it upon ourselves. Glory is about weight. And friend, you are not strong enough to handle the glory of God. It will crush you. And in the process, you will grieve the Holy Spirit. And David had many great victories for God. David did many amazing things that we're still talking about today, not because of his skills, but because of God's spirit. He was empowered by the spirit of God from that moment as a teenager on the kitchen floor. But David also in his journey, like all of us will do from time to time, grieved the Holy Spirit. You know the story, but he took another man's wife, had that man killed, took her to be his wife and lied all about it. Some of y'all think you're dysfunctional. David still made the Bible, okay? Like, he can still use you. And when the prophet of Nathan comes and calls David out, we get a glimpse of his prayer in Psalm 51. I want you to hear this. Psalm 51. This is David's prayer. After he has grieved the spirit, after he's sinned against God, after he's disobeyed, create in me a pure heart. Oh God, it was his heart that attracted God from the beginning and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Watch this. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit, watch this, to sustain me. David, in his moment of failure, did not fear losing his kingdom, did not, did not fear losing his popularity, didn't fear losing his palace, didn't fear losing his victories. When push came to shove, David, his heart spoke louder than all of his actions. He said, Lord, do not take your spirit from me. Don't take my oil. Don't take my oil. 
don't take your spirit from me. Don't leave me. I don't care about all this external stuff. I don't care about all the metrics. I don't care what they're saying about me. I don't care who's applauding me, who's criticizing me. What I care about is your touch on my life. And I've sinned against you. And I'm asking that you would restore my spirit. Don't take my oil. Don't take my oil, God. And I pray that our church, collectively, individually and collectively, God, don't take our oil. It's not our skills. It's your spirit. We're about to go into an amazing week and God's going to show up. May we all have the right heart posture. It is not because of our skills. It's the spirit of God. I'm not a gift. I'm a tool. And I want oil to flow out of my life. It's really simple. When you start to see your life simply as a vessel that God wants to fill up with oil and then be spilled out for others, you start going, all right, what does that vessel need to be filled with oil? Does it have to look good on the outside? Does it have to be extra large? Does it have to have diamonds on it? Nope, it's pretty simple. It's like, imagine if a guy, you ordered a pizza and he gets to your house and you open the door and the pizza delivery guy is just holding the pizza in his hand. You're like, whoa, bro, no, 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 no. I love pizza, not that much. No, they put pizza in the box. You don't talk about the pizza box. You don't celebrate the pizza box, but the pizza box has a use. It's delivering that which you ordered, the pizza. Yeah. And the only thing the pizza box has to be is two things, clean and empty. I'm just a tool. I'm just a box. I'm just a vessel. God, don't take my oil. And God says, okay then I want you to steward fire. And the way you steward it is by surrendering. Oh, you will fall and you will make mistakes. That's not the point of this sermon. It's not to walk with fear. It's to walk with humility that when I make a mistake like David, David made a massive mistake, bigger than many of the mistakes that most of you have ever made in your entire life. But he had enough wherewithal to say, wait a minute, God created me a clean heart, put in me a pure spirit, clean me out. God, I wanna be available, I empty myself that you might fill me up with your oil, that I might be spilled out. God, don't take my oil. I wanna be used by you. Come on, if you believe it, give God some praise. What, what I say, I'm telling you, I, don't, I, I know for a fact that, that that blessed you. I know it did me every time I listen to him preach. Man, there's just a fire, it's so encouraging. So, hey, thanks Rich for, uh, ministering and preaching and bringing the word for us Pacific Coast Church today. Hey, before you go, once again, just want you to know, please join us. If you need prayer on, on uh, Facebook Live on Wednesdays at noon, we would love uh, to be connected with you on there. If you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. There's many different ways. You can go to our website. There's, there's, uh, we have a, uh, a pastor call line. If you need someone to visit you in the hospital or you want some counseling or you just need, you need a friend or you want to grab some coffee with me or someone else on our team, please don't hesitate. It's my favorite thing to do. So please reach out. Also, if you didn't get a, get a chance to give, the information's coming back up. Uh, you can mail in your checks or you can 
You can give online. There's lots of different ways. But we want you to know that we love you and that we're excited for all that God's doing at PCC. Uh, he's opening doors, so it's exciting. All right. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful morning, day, or night whenever you're watching this. All right. God bless. We'll see you next time.